0: Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined by my brothers, Matthew and Michael Kuhn.
1: Hello, everybody. Hey, guys. What's up?
0: After the first podcast, my brothers and I, we were kind of talking, and we realized that we didn't really get a chance to relay our personalities to you guys as the listeners, and we thought, what do you guys know best? You guys know the Browns. You guys are clearly Browns fans. So we were thinking that we would attribute a player, either current or past, to each of our personalities and say that's who they most emulate so me and matthew picked one for michael and michael and matthew picked one for me and vice versa we all picked each other's players to kind of dog on them so we'll start off with um who me and matthew think michael was and matthew you want to go ahead hit us with it hit yeah. michael with it yeah, I, balding I sh- old
1: old self yeah so I, I i struggled with this michael has a lot of attributes i mean uh Ultimately, Some of them good. Michael was the older brother, so he um, was always better at everything than everybody else. Simply stuff. because of his age. He, not he, Yeah, <laughs> the, not, not actual ability. But he showed a lot of promise early, so we decided on... Um, Trent Richardson. He, he came out of the gate hot, <laughs> showed a lot of promise, um, prematurely balded, and kind of petered out, and i trade him for a first-round pick. I, 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 would,
0: I would trade him in a second. The thing about Trent Richardson's balding is, like, I feel like it was just his dreads were just too tight. Like, I feel like they were being pulled out, like, because he was only on the front right there. Like, his dreads were just being pulled back. Every time he pulled his helmet off, his hairline was a little bit further back. Can Do you, you help the-
2: explain... Can you help explain what trading me for a first-round pick as your brother
0: like? How, I don't how know. How does that work? It doesn't matter. Just if anyone would give us anything for you, we'd take it. Is <laughs> <laughs> what we're trying to yeah, say. Yeah,
1: I mean, if we could trade you to another Browns podcast for for a first-round pick, I, well, I think I'd do it.
0: Surviving the season, orange and oranger,
1: or the no, orange is oranger.
0: The orange is oranger. Anyone who wants Michael, you can have him.
1: All right.
2: Um, so. Who do, who's next? Do we do Mark or do we do Matthew?
1: No, Mark's, Mark's is really good. Let's save that one for the end. Uh,
0: let's do Matthew. Let's do it. Let's hit him. Michael, you got it. You came up with it. You just go ahead. And... All
1: right. So I I have to admit
2: that I actually came up with this idea for this whole bit. So maybe I am valuable to this podcast in some, <laughs> yeah. some way, shape, or
0: form. No, Michael really is. It's like he's definitely valuable, but I just – he's so valuable that I it mean, makes, it make makes one me one feel me. insecure about my own value. So I'm just bringing you down.
2: So Matthew – uh, this is making me fun, making me laugh just thinking about it. Um, Matthew's definitely Gary Barnage. <laughs> Not the most coordinated. Kind of clumsy and awkward. Uh, but he's definitely a consistent and above average performer. And while Gary can bring you the movie takes and have lots of expertise on the movie side of things, Matthew's going to bring some takes on the law and uh law expert side of things due to his legal True. background
0: like we mentioned in the first podcast Matthew went to law school and he had no confidence before he went to law school and then he got, <laughs> he, got out, he was just a nerdy kid from Nashville and then he got out of law school and he just had this megalomaniac head that thought he was the smartest man in the room like he said on the first podcast he literally said he was definitively smarter than both of us like where does that come from it's hilarious I'm fine with it though
2: all right, which leads us to Mark, was the youngest of the three of us, came right. out, if Mom was explaining what Mark was like, as he was talking way earlier than all of us, always never met anybody that wasn't a friend. So very clearly, Mark is Joe Hayden. He's the fun <laughs> life of the party, always smiling. He's definitely the biggest Cavs fan of the three of us. Go Cavs. And none of us would be surprised if Mark was suspended for Adderall. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I actually— that's I resent that because that's an actual medical issue that I have. I have <laughs> – no, you're still laughing about it, and I resent that too. It's ADHD. It's a real problem, and I take my medicine in order to get to the same level as you guys. It's a
1: performance-enhancing drug. It is.
0: I need it. I need it. That's hilarious. So today on the pod, we're going to be talking about a little reflection on the Browns-Steelers game today. We're going to be talking about Joe Hayden's performance in that game, uh, a preview of the game next week, and making our bets on the lines coming up on all the primetime games. Michael, how are you doing down there in Florida? Uh,
2: Surviving is probably the best word to use here. I'm currently standing in my closet because there's branches falling on my roof due to (laughs) Hurricane Irma. Um my kids are waking up wondering why things are hitting the roof and what those crazy noises are outside. We might have a special guest on this podcast, who knows?
0: <laughs> Yeah, so speaking of the hurricane, uh normally we're gonna want to start our show off by calling our grandfather, who basically is the patriarch of our Browns fandom, the one who got us into this whole mess. And You heard in the first podcast, if you listened, we gave him a call and he gave us some hot takes on how he felt about Johnny Manziel (laughs) and a couple other just poignant Browns issues. But this week, he also lives in Florida um, in the villages, an amazing retirement community down there. And he's not going to be able, he's not going to be able to make it to the phone because he also didn't get to watch the game because of the hurricane, which is our hearts and thoughts are going out to everyone down there.
2: To be clear, I watched the game. Yeah. it was yeah. high on my priority list grandpa did not but um we were able to inform him after the game and so we are we are all in good shape yeah,
0: yeah michael watched the game and then he protected his family right, where where do those rank on priority um, list about,
2: even. about <laughs> even yes both very high on the priority list yeah very right, important going.
0: yeah yeah so um you watched the game today michael what did you think what was your take just raw, give it to me. I,
2: so four plays into the game, and uh, it felt very Brownsy. <laughs> I, I it felt very familiar and very much at home. Um, mm-hmm. With a Pittsburgh blocked punt for a uh, touchdown. I don't know if you guys got a chance to rewatch that particular play. I did not realize the first time I watched it. We did. How lucky it was for Pittsburgh that that ball actually stayed in bounds. It flew off of the deflection. Yeah. Deep it hit, into did it the hit a face mask? And took a crazy spin and stayed in the end zone, allowing, I think it was Chicolo yeah. to fall on it for the touchdown. Like, there's no way in hell that that happens to the Cleveland Browns. Yeah.
1: It was like a Jordan Speth pitch shot, like yeah. from yeah. 50 yeah, yards coming in the green, just stopped on a dime. Stopped it right the there.
0: But literally, um, the thing is, the thing that's ridiculous about it is if that ball doesn't have that crazy spin on it, rolls. Let's be generous, two more feet. It goes out of bounds. It's a safety instead of a touchdown. We win the game. Like, oh, we beat the Steelers week 1.
2: So, I was thinking about this as I rewatched the game in the condensed version. I was thinking about how many different things could have gone the other way where we could have won. And there was a yeah. bunch of them. I, I will get to it probably as we go through it. Um, but I think we were all wondering what Kaiser was going to look like. What'd you guys think of the rookie QB?
1: I think um, Kaiser kind of came out and he, he looked like a rookie in a number of ways. I mean, he held on to the ball for way too long in a number of instances. I think, um, I think the thing that exemplifies that most is the play where he, he broke the pocket, rolled out to the left, um, kept his eyes downfield, and then stopped and reset his feet. He needs to just get rid of that ball. Um, and he's got to get rid of that ball and live to fight another day. Other than that, I thought he was great. I think you saw a number of different times his movement in the pocket and his ability to avoid the rush and stay in the pocket and step up and help his offensive line and keep the play moving. Um, he made some some good throws. He kind of just looked nervous. I felt like he was out of tempo a little bit. He left some throws short, uh, missed some throws that he knows he can make, that uh, throw to Duke where Duke was – Kind of frustrated that he didn't get more air under it early on in the yeah, first half. In the first half, and then obviously the um, pass on the sideline to Kaiser Williams. I think Kaiser makes that throw nine out of ten times.
0: Yeah, Kaiser's Kaiser's got to make those throws, but that's a, that's been the dig on Kaiser this entire time is his consistency. If he can't consistently make that throw, then he's not going to be able to make it. But I, I think that he can. He can get there. He just needs practice.
2: The consistency has been a challenge for Kaiser through the preseason there were a handful of plays where he was overthrowing the ball. You mm-hmm. mentioned the two, Matthew, Duke Duke Johnson and Kaysom Williams. There was a third one in the fourth quarter to Duke Johnson as well. So those are three that easily could have been converted. You can chalk those up to nerves. Yards. But even considering those three missed open receivers, he was still 20 of 30. If we had said he was 66% right percent completion be. percentage, yeah. that was way better than he was in any of the games in the preseason. He was making good decisions when he actually got into a rhythm and we kind of had to throw there in the second half. He was looking pretty solid. And I agree. He held onto the ball way too long. But if I'm picking between a a quarterback holding onto the ball too long versus forcing a throw that doesn't need to be thrown, I'm going to pick holding onto the ball every single time.
0: Yeah, I, I was really pleased with the way he played. Like I walked away from that game. He had one touchdown that one to Corey Coleman and one interception and the interception he shouldn't have made. It was a misread. He didn't see the guy there. He threw it low to keep it away, to keep the ball safe, and then it got picked by the, the what was a linebacker. No, it was T.J. Watt. It was T.J. Watt, was Watt yeah. that dropped back into coverage in the flat. I mean, here, Michael, I got this question for you. What do you okay. think that Deshaun Kaiser's QBR was from that game based on what, what you saw? So uh, I'm, I'm assuming... not going to
2: pretend. I'm not going to pretend to be a QBR expert, um, but I do know that the more important plays take a little bit more weight, and I do think that Kaiser did a good job, definitely in those couple of fourth down plays that we had, and some of the third down situations. I'll say QBR of
1: sixty-five. That's pretty, <clears throat> that's pretty close to what I guess. I I said sixty, and we were both way off. Yeah.
0: I, so I didn't. I didn't come up with a guess before I looked it up, but I thought he had a pretty good game. His QBR was 27.5. Ouch! I, I I don't know. I mean, sacks play a role in your QBR, and he did take seven sacks for 42 yards, a loss of 42 yards. But he had 222 yards, 20 of 30. I mean, Big Ben was 24 of 36. Like that's pretty comparable with oh, 200. It's
2: exactly comparable on a percentage basis. Exactly.
0: With, with 263 yards, Big Ben had, and Kaiser had 222. Like, Big Ben had two touchdowns. They both touchdowns. had one pick. They both had one pick. Ben could have had another one. There was that one that got dropped by uh, Taylor. Yep. Yep.
1: To, cl- to clarify, this is, this is the QBR statistic, the ESPN's um, QBR statistic. The more traditional quarterback rating, um, he was uh, 85.7. Um, Interesting. Which is... Maybe what you know some what? people are for more, a, more like used to, to talking about.
2: For a rookie quarterback, I'm gonna just use my own eyes. I'm not gonna worry too much about the ratings one way or the other. Um, wins and losses is gonna be much more important than anything else.
1: Yeah. So Michael, how do you how do you feel about the defense? Ah, the defense. I was encouraged. The
2: defense gave us some life to start that game. I don't think Big Ben uh, knew what was coming, and. Honestly, as I sat back and watched the whole game and then got to rewatch it, I was thinking how big of a difference Miles Garrett would have made in that game plan. Because the whole game plan was to stay back in coverage, keep everybody in front of you, rush 4-3, pick your spots when you're going to blitz, which is a little bit outside of the typical Greg Williams mantra of blitz a little more often than normal. And uh, they were able to keep him in check for quite a while. I mean, honestly, we would have won the game if they didn't have freaking Antonio Brown on their team. Oh, I, I mean, know. Antonio Brown just made, like, three-man plays that, like, I can't do anything but respect. I mean, he just went up and got the ball.
0: Yeah, what do you think about that catch at the very end of the game? Because that was a total game-changer on their last drive. He He went up and got it for sure, but it seemed like he didn't possess it all the way through the ground. I don't know. What did you guys see, Matthew?
1: Yeah, I mean watching it from the initial angle, the initial replay angle that they showed, I mean, it did seem to bobble. Uh, the NFL has, I, I just, and I feel like most people are in this situation where the the lack of obviousness um, in what is a catch and what is not it's um, has been taken out of it. There, There's, you can't watch something and decide, oh yeah, that's a catch. I think back to the Calvin Johnson play um, in the end zone a couple of years back where he put the ball on the ground and it was ruled not a catch. This one, I think they were right in ruling it a catch. I think he possessed it all the way to the ground, rolled over, and was starting to stand up, and it bobbled. Um, I, I don't know why it bobbled, but I think that he possessed it, and if he needed to hold on to it longer, he could have. Um, but, I mean, it was certainly, as a Browns fan, I was a little frustrated. I was hoping that we yeah. would
0: get the call the other way. Yeah, but, I mean, there's – as a Browns fan, I feel like time and time again, I look at a game and I say, I don't know if other NFL fans do this, because I don't do it with the college teams that I follow. But I always think if this just one play had gone different, we would have won. Every every single week, I walk away from a Browns game thinking, if we hadn't have gotten our first punt blocked and recovered for a touchdown, we would have won. If Antonio Brown hadn't have caught that, what was it, 35-yard pass, we would have won. Or we, we would have had a chance. I mean, we definitely wouldn't have.
2: Watching this game though, if you put on your Steelers hat, they had. If you were a Steelers fan, you're thinking the exact same thing because they had 13 penalties for 144 yards. That's true. Which is absolutely insane. It set us up in a lot of different, a lot of possessions that they kept alive from some pass interference and um, all kinds of different penalties. That one. That honestly. That TJ Watt penalty, whenever he came down and hit, uh, I think Kaiser late. Like, if tough. that was a Browns was play, I would, I would have been so pretty, upset.
0: Pretty I said that exact same thing. I said um, I would be mad I if that, that was, the was a pretty
2: weak call. I know you got to protect quarterbacks, but even still, that was pretty weak. He hardly laid a hand on the guy. Yeah, um, so let's
1: so let's talk about that. I mean, so there were 13 penalties on the on the Steelers. A lot of them, um, like the pass interference on Njoku um, down in the red zone was yep. clear. I mean, he got a shoulder mm-hmm. through the back. But Ricardo Lewis. The Ricardo that, Lewis uh, rough yep. or unnecessary roughness. I mean, helped yep. us out a lot. I think the Browns yep. I think we benefited a lot from that. I think we played really well, but this game might have been was probably closer than it should have been because the Steelers were keeping us in the game a little bit by some unforced errors.
2: I don't know. I th- I feel like we actually when I, even when I looked back through the second time, um I felt like we stuck right there with the Steelers we were playing moving the ball very very well the difference to me was Big Ben and Antonio Brown they've played together for years they have a connection when they need to make a play they could make a play and we've got the youngest team in the NFL and we just can't we're not in a position to be able to make plays like that. And I don't think we should, any of us would expect us to be able to make plays like that.
0: No, totally. We haven't built that chemistry, but on any of those plays, that's why I think that was apt. What you said, Michael, about miles Garrett being on, if he was in this game, it would have been different. That last Antonio Brown catch, big Ben was back there for seven seconds, probably before he threw the ball. Like Agba got to him at the very end, but, that's when Antonio Brown had a chance to come back to the ball, go up and get it. I mean, he made a freak play, obviously. But if we had our best defensive player, presumably, on the field, that, that might have been different.
2: Yeah. So you guys asked me about the defense and what I thought. One thing that I thought was really good, Greg Williams did a really good job of mixing things up early on in the first three or four possessions. Um, I noticed there was this one possession – it got down to a third and one. It was early in the second quarter. I don't know if you remember this, but we actually were playing our entire second line of defense,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, defensive line. So it was Jamie Meter and Ogan Joby in the middle. Love them. With Orchard. Nate Orchard.
0: Was that when and Nate Orchard? The
2: Tyron Holmes, on Holmes. Yeah. That on was the when they,
0: they ran to the right and Nate Orchard diced and in there. They stuffed it. Yeah.
2: They stuffed it. And so that goes back to what we were talking about last week about how our depth is at a level that we haven't experienced before. Like for our second defensive line to stand up the Pittsburgh Steelers and their pretty solid offensive line on a third and one like that, like I was really impressed um, with, with all of that. So um, to, to know that we have that kind of depth, and obviously we're missing Miles Garrett, so that's like almost dipping into our third team if you think about it because Tyron Holmes was on the street three days ago. Um, so I, I'm pretty impressed. I'm optimistic. ia lot of people think the Steelers are the second best team in the entire AFC, and I think that we outplayed them in almost every aspect of the game besides terrible ter- special teams yeah. play.
0: So there was another thing going into this game. We woke up this morning, and I had a text from you, Michael, um, about the article that was posted on CBS Sports by Jason LaConfora, who was talking about the – just division between the Browns front office and the coaching staff that, that Hugh was, I think the direct quote was "Hugh was irate about the front office letting go of Joe. Um, I don't know, Michael, you read the article and you, yeah.
2: So there was all kinds of things. And Matthew, you pointed out a great point. So it's kind of interesting that this article talking about a trade that happened multiple days ago uh, came out the morning of
0: our first game. It wasn't a trade. It was Hedden yeah, was, Joe was it. released two weeks ago.
2: Yeah, so it's clearly digging for clicks, and that's not outside of anything that we've seen from Luckin for but I, I pulled out a couple of quotes. He was talking about Sashi Brown, and he's saying, Sashi Brown has clashed with coaches consistently during his controversial tenure, and the disconnect between coaching and personnel continues, which couldn't be further from anything that we've ever seen in any of the press conferences or anything that anyone has ever conveyed. And if that was the case, wouldn't we be concerned about Hugh Jackson being fired if he was disconnected? And I think that if you look at the odds of where Hugh Jackson is as far as, like, the safety of his job, I think it's, like, 50-1. to There's about, like, 15 (laughs) coaches ahead of Hugh Jackson coming off of a 1-15 season. I'm pretty sure that our front office and our head coach are on the same page. And I
1: think from watching the game
2: today – that um they're justified in letting go of joe hayden what do you guys think
1: yeah yeah i was talking the only time i noticed look i love joe hayden i have been a gator fan my entire life so watching him and then coming to the browns i love joe hayden he was not good today the only times i noticed him was when he was getting beat i didn't even notice him making any tackles maybe that's the pittsburgh Steelers defense and that he's playing that like the um, three back across the line coverage (laughs) Um, and playing deep most of the time and not there at the ball, but I mean, you saw him get beat by Casein Williams on that play. Um, that Kaiser missed the throw, which should have been a touchdown. Um, we saw him trip on a Duke Johnson throw that Kaiser missed again. He should have been exposed today because he he missed a ton of plays, and I don't yeah, think you can watch I- that. Oh, he was exposed. He was a good quarterback. He, he
0: he absolutely was exposed. That Casein Williams play should have been a touchdown. I, side caveat, I'm very excited about Casey Williams. I was reading a Pro Football Focus article about how Casey Williams was the third best wide receiver in the entire preseason. Obviously, all the best players aren't playing, but anyway. Well, yeah, he Kasin was Williams actually
1: burned.
0: Take a look. Burned. Burned Joe Hayden today. And so did Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson got right twice. past him. twice. And, I mean, Kaiser just missed the throws, but he'll get there. I mean, but that's exactly what we saw from Joe when he was on the Browns. I mean, he's great. Uh, He's a ball hawk, right? That's why we tried to play him at safety. He's good at getting to the ball and identifying the ball in the air. And he had a bunch of pass deflections and stuff like that, interceptions. But he's not good in man-to-man coverage.
2: I'd like to complain about uh, something in particular. There's one player on the Cleveland Browns that is in my doghouse Kenny and has Britt. a lot of work to do mm, to Kenny get back Britt. my good graces. Can that man make a freaking catch? We pay him $8 million a year to catch the football. So when you're wide open with no one within five yards of you. When the game's on the line. Down on second and 18 after your rookie quarterback accidentally took another sack.
1: Catch the ball. That was a perfect throw.
0: It it was. I mean, it, it was, was perfect like
1: call. He was wide open. It's an easy throw, but Kaiser hit it, and he's got to make that catch.
2: I almost threw the remote through the television.
0: I did. I threw Cause something. Because it's the
2: third time we've seen it running back through the preseason. How in the world is he missing wide open catches?
0: He's always had that problem. He had it at the Titans. Well, I didn't see it in L.A., but he definitely had it at the Titans. I watch him I playing believe. the Titans drop balls all the time.
1: Yeah, that's been Kenny Britt's mo since for as long as I can remember. Um, he he makes up for it or tries to with he'll he'll make some contested catches in traffic. With that smile, that you never he just smiles to, and he's happy. <laughs> um, he's got but he's Michael Strahan gap too. Yeah, exactly. he does.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he should join uh, Regis and Kelly. It should be Britton. He might be better Britton Kelly, you, yeah, right? yeah.
2: Do you think they would uh, offset some of his contract? Because that could help
1: us a lot.
0: That <laughs> would be nice. Maybe Brock would be good on R- Osweiler and Kelly. Oh,
1: man. I mean, those guys, those talk show people make, I mean, they make about $10 million a year, they? Oh, they
0: make good money. I, I no... mean,
1: it's ridiculous. So we could send Britt there and maybe not have to pay him anything. Hey, that'd be great. If Josh Let's Gordon start a motion. Back. Yeah.
2: I mean, especially <laughs> if start uh, Josh Gordon's going to be petition. back.
0: Yeah, what do you think about that? I've heard some speculation about him coming back after week three. Um, I I don't have a bunch of well-founded evidence about it, but what have you guys heard? I
2: think the question is not whether he'll be Mm -hmm. reinstated. I think there's been some pretty decent reports indicating that he will be reinstated by the NFL. I think the question at this point is how will the Browns handle it? And I don't know if I have any read, except that it's pretty clear that they know that they need wide receiver help. And I don't know why we would be in position to say no if Gordon's in a pretty decent mental state to take him in and send him deep.
1: Look, if the Browns didn't think Josh Gordon was worth keeping around and had a future, they wouldn't have kept him this long. I mean, he's the most talented, arguably the most talented wide receiver in the league, at least in the top three and just physical pure physical gifts up there with like Julio Jones and Odell Beckham. He's got Julio uh,
0: Jones's body. Yeah. He can do what Julio Jones does.
1: If Josh Gordon can come back, he's not going to be in football shape. I mean, he he did go through the preseason with us last year, so he I knows the I, offense, which what, is great. I don't um, know.
0: Do you follow his Snapchat? If he, you follow his Snapchat, like you see monster. him working out. I think it's a, definitely a biased view. That is his face to the public. But my goodness, that man works out. And he looks <laughs> and he looks good while doing it. That dude is jacked beyond all belief. Like I Not, like, not
1: quite Miles Garrett level.
0: No well, Miles Garrett, David Njoku, and um Josh Gordon. Josh, Josh Gordon. If they could all just do like a ESPN cover together, that would be <laughs> I mean, like as a Browns fan, like obviously I'm pushing for that, but that'd be nice. <laughs> uh, would you hang that above your bed, Mark? Yeah, I'd put it right there in my room. I'd say good night to it. Like... I'd say good night every night before I went to bed. Night David. Night Miles. Night Josh.
2: <laughs> that would be so fantastic. <laughs> all right. I I think we've hit enough. I have one final comment yeah. about the game. Um my favorite portion of the entire game was Deshaun Kaiser's first touchdown and heel click. Yep. Yeah. D- the heel D- click celebration won
1: me over. Where did that I'm come from? Do we doing we... Have any inside information on, on what?
0: Seems to me that was a little Irish celebration right there. Oh, it that was, might be.
2: It was a harken back to Notre Dame. Yeah. There it
0: is. That's what it looked like to me. Um, so, anyway, we talked about this media bias of the, that article that you sent us this morning. But also, Matthew, you wanted to talk about the Forbes article um, claiming that the Browns are intentionally tanking this season again based on the fact that we cut Calvin Pryor.
1: Yeah. So I feel like this happens to the Browns all the time. Like the, the lazy, like easy article is when in doubt, just make fun of the Browns crap on the Browns. Uh, Forbes ran an article this week written by Vincent Frank, who is a contributing writer uh, claiming that the Browns release of Calvin Pryor suggested that once again, the team is tanking this season. First of all, Calvin Pryor was traded for nothing from the Jets. He was a first-round pick from the Jets, who they basically gave away for DeMario Davis, who they didn't re-sign two years before that. Like, this was a just giveaway. We got Calvin Pryor for basically free. We weren't keeping DeMario Davis on our roster because of the defense that we ran. Also... How can you make the claim that the Browns are tanking this season when we went out and spent so much <laughs> money in free agency? On our offensive we, we, line. We signed Treader for $18 million over three years. We signed um, Zietler for, what was it, $60 million. We re-signed Batonio for about $60 million.
2: Yeah, it was like 50
1: If we're not trying to win this season, why are we spending that kind of money? This is ridiculous. Calvin Pryor I mean, is like – Fighting to keep on a roster just because he was a first-round pick and a big name doesn't mean he deserves to be on a roster.
0: No, it no. does make yeah. me mad. I can't wait until the the just that mindset switches and you can't just make fun of the Browns because it's easy. No, your point
2: is really well taken. So the there will be a hinge point when the Browns are actually winning when they make tough decisions like getting rid of a player that they just traded for where it's going to be celebrated, a la the New England Patriots. Yeah. Who made a trade in the offseason for Keoni Ely, everyone expects, oh, he's gonna be so good. This is a diamond in the rough. Bill Belichick found somebody and he's gonna, you know, he's gonna be fantastic. He's gonna be a fifteen sack guy next year in New England. Guess what? They realized he wasn't any good, they had him in their locker room, and they dropped him. Who was, they who didn't was trade that
1: trade him? Who was that, Michael? Keoni Ely. Keoni Ely? Who the hell is Keoni Ely? Uh, coney Ely? <laughs> You added like an uh, extra syllable in there.
2: Uh, I stand corrected. Uh, Coney, Ely, like right, we're talking there we go. like a Skyline Chili. Like, yeah, Coney. Uh, Coney, that's All what right, we're yeah,
0: talking about here? Yeah. Okay. Um, Three-way Ely. <laughs> Did y'all see how bad the Texans lost today? How great is that? The Jacksonville Jaguars spanked their butt up and down the that field. That was a bare bottom spanking. bare bottom spanking. The, <laughs> the Texans were bad, and the Jaguars punished them.
2: So, this was so I live in Jacksonville for those of you listening that don't know that. And uh, everyone was going out of their minds. They've never (laughs) seen a pass rush that actually gets to the quarterback before. And in week one, their team registered 10 sacks. Wow. I don't know if you guys saw this, but on Twitter, the official uh, Jacksonville Jaguars Twitter account changed their Twitter name to Saxonville Jaguars. I Just love, love it.
1: Is that a reference to their D line or their manliness? <laughs> I
2: have, I have <laughs> no idea. Great question.
1: We'll, we'll have to ask that question.
2: That's hilarious. Uh, anyways, but your point is well taken. Um, I like seeing Bill O'Brien, flip flop quarterbacks, um, have a lot of uncertainty. I hope it causes a rift in the locker room. I hope, I hope that so the too. court that the coach is fired mid season. Oh my god, and I hope yes, that they have a terrible yes. record that results yes. in a top ten pick in both the first and second round mm. that the of Browns can enjoy.
1: Mm-hmm. But, Tasty mm. For for those of you who didn't who I'm didn't follow up. it, um, the Jaguars beat the Texans twenty nine to seven. Tom Savage started that game at quarterback, and he Bill did O'Brien not finish. Um, pulled the plug at halftime, put in Deshaun, the rookie Deshaun Watson, um, who played the entire second half.
0: It seems, we, uh... it seems like I was right about the uh, about the the Bengals maybe being worse than the Browns this year. They they really crapped the bed this week against yeah, the we Ravens. Take a look at... Yeah, let's take a look at that game. They was twenty final score was twenty to zero. Ravens beat beat the Bengals. Andy Dalton had four sacks or four interceptions. Sorry. Sacked five times. Sacked five times. Five times. That offensive line is all all of those interceptions weren't the offensive line's fault, but don't forget bad. that Andy
2: Dalton also fumbled the ball one time, which oh. was recovered by the Baltimore Ravens. So he was responsible directly for five turnovers. <laughs>
1: just kills you i
2: mean if you look actually at the stat line between the two quarterbacks in this game between dalton and flacco dalton looks better until you get to the interception line i mean dalton only threw for 170 yards but he was 16 of 31 and flacco do you know how many yards he threw for in this game
1: joe no 121 wolf and 54 of those were on that macklin re- yeah down reception yes
2: where basically Cincinnati brought an all-out blitz and he read it correctly and hit Macklin for 54 yards. You're yeah, absolutely right. Look,
1: here's the thing. If your team gets five turnovers and you get a long touchdown pass of 50-plus yards, you should score more than 20 points. Yes. Like, the fact that... And some of those turnovers were, were like, in good territory. Uh, at least one of those interceptions, like, left the, the Ravens in the red zone i believe uh, i don't think the ravens looked very good i think the Bengals looked
0: worse i'm not afraid
1: yeah coming in well, next week i'm i'm feeling pretty confident about playing the baltimore ravens
0: i'm not afraid of the ravens offensive weapons i'm not afraid of so danny woodhead they don't have hurt. anybody danny woodhead got hurt in that game too so danny woodhead's out so we're gonna be facing terrence west who we know well and are not well, afraid. Well, he had of... a
2: hamstring injury, so I'm not sure if we know at this point exactly what the extent of that injury is. But
1: it looked pretty first... bad. I would be surprised. I would be surprised if he was able to be back.
2: Well, for the first possession, though, it was clear that Flacco was relying a lot on Danny Woodhead. They were moving the ball, moving the ball well. He had at least two receptions. He had three receptions for 33
1: yards in the game, which he looked good. And I think
2: he was their second leading receiver in the yeah. game.
1: but not and actually, he only but played but one the, possession. Yeah. <laughs> 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 which is amazing uh so anyways woodhead
2: being out is huge and then it's like brashad perriman who had one catch for five yards and a whole lot of nothing i mean um but so you guys got to take a look at this cincinnati baltimore game what are a couple things that stuck out to you really on either side of the ball
1: baltimore's defensive line looks really good i mean we knew that that was going to be a strength um, they had the, the statistically the best defense in the league last year um they got rid of a couple pieces i mean really? timmy jernigan's in philadelphia now um, but that d line with brandon williams in the middle and if terrell suggs can stay healthy they're going to be good they bullied the cincinnati offensive line
2: it seems like we all feel fairly yeah. good about our chances in uh that game against Baltimore next week. Should we just go ahead and move on to the to yeah. the lines, and uh, let's go ahead and start with Thursday night. Let's well, hey, a, let's, let's get recap. a recap. Let's yeah. recap where we where we netted out from mm-hmm. this week. So we're in an unfortunate situation where there's a I... stupid hurricane that's hitting uh, the state of Florida, causing us to record this on Sunday night instead of Monday night. So we do not know the
1: outcome of the current uh, Giants-Cowboys game. It's looking like Dallas is currently up by 13 13 points. With
0: seven minutes to go.
1: So it it looks like Dallas. And they
0: just got an interception. Well, no, it's being contested.
1: Well,
2: at any rate, it looks like you guys are going to be in better shape on that one than me. Um, Because I had picked uh, the Giants in that particular game. And you guys both had Dallas. But we'll leave that out for now. We'll give everybody an update next week. Kansas City in New England was probably the most entertaining game of the week. So far. <laughs> it I, and, uh, I feel shame.
0: I think Mark's eating his words a little bit. I feel shame. Yep. I, I called Mark, Matthew how'd an idiot. how that intuition go for I, you? I called, that wasn't intuition. That was just basic see and answer. I called you an idiot, Matthew, and I'd like to take this time to apologize to no one. Screw you. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Con, uh, Conor so McGregor anyways, quote right there.
2: Uh, there was that game, and then the Steelers and Browns game, which Matthew called correctly that the Browns would stay within the nine and a half points. Thank you, Matthew, for being an eternal optimist for the Cleveland Browns. So Matthew is currently sitting at 2-0, and oh, leading in the clubhouse. I am at 1-1. One and, one, and And Mr. Intuition. Bringing
0: up, in bringing up the rear.
2: Mark is sitting at
0: 0-2. That's right, I am. Um,
2: so we'll see where Go we Browns. land after this Giants and Cowboys game. But let's make the picks for next week. So Thursday night coming up, um, I was able to find some advanced lines, which are probably not the ones I'll use throughout the rest of the season as we're recording on Mondays. But uh, it looks like Houston at Cincinnati with Cincinnati favored by three on Thursday night football. I'll start with you, Matthew. What's your, uh, what's your pick there?
1: Look, Houston – um, looked pretty terrible this week. I don't trust their offense at all. Um, Cincinnati looked equally terrible, if not more terrible. But uh, watching that game, I have to think those turnover issues from Andy Dalton. I mean, a lot of those balls were tipped and intercepted. I think Cincinnati's going to look better. Um, I'll take Cincinnati.
0: All right. Yeah. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to take Cincinnati plus the points. Minus, minus the points. Minus the points. That's what I said.
2: <laughs> uh, Mark's intuition saying Cincinnati.
0: And, uh, no, I scrapped that intuition thing. It's over.
1: <laughs> it failed me, it so It failed me on. miserably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my big thing with
2: Houston is I don't know who their starting quarterback is going to be. I don't really trust their offense to score any points whatsoever. I love um, – Some DeAndre Hopkins, but I have no idea who is going to be available to actually throw him the ball. I don't think it matters. um, They're bad regardless. Unfortunately, I'm going to pick the the Bungles as well.
1: No, Um, that's
0: great. We want the Bungles to win because that's 0 and 2 for the Texans, and that's the first pick in the draft for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I'll be cheering the
2: Texans
0: all year. So moving on to Sunday night, Green Bay at
2: Atlanta a close contest i'm actually really excited to hear what everybody thinks about this one green bay um is the underdog but by only one point at the moment atlanta is favored by one in their new mercedes-benz uh
0: stadium is that what it's called That's Mercedes-Benz correct. Stadium. i think so yeah 1.5 okay. bees yeah. for that stadium Change. nothing Don't all right mark up. who you got here I am going to pick Green Bay to win that game. I just don't think that Atlanta is going to be what they were last year offensively. Kyle Shanahan's gone. It's just not going to be the same. Um, You saw that a little bit in this week's game um, where they struggled against the Bears, which is saying all that needs to be said to me about what's going to happen next week. I think Green Bay pulls it out.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take Atlanta at home. Atlanta um – is a different team when they play in that dome. I mean, today they didn't look great um, on the road in Chicago, but in the dome, in the new stadium, there's going to be excitement. Um, Plus, I I don't love Green Bay's defense. Um, I think Matt Ryan and Hugo Jones have a big day. I'll take Atlanta.
2: Uh, I don't like agreeing with Matthew this much, but I'm going to agree here as well. Atlanta at home in the dome. Although it's interesting because it will be their first game there in the new dome, so I don't know exactly what to expect. But I just like the options that Atlanta has on offense. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get with Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, Julio Jones. Um, I saw enough today to make. Taylor me feel Gabriel. Good about it. And plus. <laughs>
0: Go Browns. Alex Mack on offense. (laughs) Alex Mack, come on, snapping the ball like a true champ. He touches the ball every play. (laughs) True offensive weapon. He and Matt Ryan every play.
1: I think
2: you hit it on the head, Matthew. The difference in this game is the two defenses. I like the upside on the Atlanta defense much more than I like anything I see on the Green Bay side of the ball. So I'm gonna end up pretty much an even matchup here. Um, I'm gonna side with the Falcons.
0: All right, Which brings us... Now to the question of the night.
2: Uh, to the Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens. Do you guys know what this line is for this game? It's ridiculous.
1: Moment? Nine and a half points.
0: This line's going to move. That's there's no bold. way
1: this line stays where it is. But we're going to have to pick it at nine and a half because that's what we got right now.
0: Which makes it an the easy decision. The
2: thing is I'm worried that we're all going to pick the exact same side of it. Well,
1: but, there's only uh, one side to pick is the problem. I think yeah, it's probably the Ravens.
0: Argue.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where, have you seen the Browns? Uh,
0: go ahead, Mark. What's your pick? I'm going to pick the Browns. They're going to cover that.
2: What are you looking for? What's, uh, what are you hoping to see next week from the Browns?
0: I'm hoping to see that we shut Terrence West down, that we, our defensive line. One of the things I'm most excited about this year in the Browns is our run-stopping ability. Last year, I could not watch teams run all over us like they did. And uh, adding Coleman, um, adding all these defensive line, we have good depth on the interior. And it's so much – like, watching – Le'Veon Bell had how many yards this week? Like 20?
2: Very few. Very few. Yeah, about 30, I think.
0: Um about 30, and that's that's ecstatic. Makes me ecstatic to see that happening. So I'm looking for us to squelch them in the run game and then have Joe Flacco try to beat us. I'm not scared of their weapons over the top. Um, So I'm looking for – it's going to be a defensive battle because I think both of our strengths are in the defense and we're not going to really score that many points, but I think that we'll come out on top. I think that we're going to win this game, not just cover the points. Yeah. Matthew?
1: Yeah, I'm taking taking, um, Cleveland plus the points as well. I think that's the – after watching the two games today, I think that's the only uh, rational conclusion that you can come to. I mean, Baltimore looked terrible. I think that our defense is going to give Baltimore a really tough time. I would look to – I think we're going to force probably about three turnovers on that team. Uh, Baltimore doesn't have a good offensive line either. I mean, they've had a lot of turnover – um, they've got Marshall Yonda, who's a great guard. They've got a couple other guys who are pretty good. But I mean, as far as the, the tackles that they've got, um, that they had some, some turnover in the off season. I think our defensive line is gonna dominate. We're gonna shut down the running game, uh, make Joe Flacco throw the ball. Um, and he's good for a couple interceptions. So I'm gonna take the Browns straight up. I think we're gonna win this game too.
2: I like the optimism. After seeing what we saw on the field today, I feel really good about it too. <laughs> Um, I don't know that I have a whole lot more to add, but I just think um, we're not going to turn the ball over like Cincinnati did. And yeah. I think our defense is better than the Bengals is.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the difference in the level of optimism that I have right now for the Browns team compared to after our first drive when we got that punt blocked <laughs> is, is night and day. That, that start to the season was quintessential Browns. All of the optimism that I built up through the draft, through the 4-0 preseason, the excitement was building, and then that happened, I was like, of course, we're not going to be good. Like, we're going to get punts blocked in return for touchdowns all the time. Like, that's what what the Browns do. But we responded to that, and we played an amazing game. So I'm so excited. I think we're going to beat the Ravens next week, like we all said. What, Michael?
2: That's right. I just got a notification. The Indians have won 18
1: in a row.
0: Let's go. Let's go, (laughs) Trev. We're going for right. going for 22, right? That's the record?
1: Yeah, uh, 21's the record, so 22. 22 would beat would, it. Yeah, yeah. give us the record.
0: Yeah, okay, so that's going to wrap it up for us um, at Sin of Our Fathers Podcast. We just wanted to say thank you to all of you guys for listening. We always have a fun time doing this, and we hope that you guys have a fun time listening to us. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at Sin of Our Fathers, and you can also email us at sinofourfathers at gmail.com. Uh, any questions or takes that you have on the pod, we would love to get your comments on what you think about the show. Please leave a comment on our iTunes podcast page. We would love uh, a review. Yeah, we would love to hear your comments and reviews of the pod. Hear what you have to say. Get back to us so that we can um, continue to improve. But anyway, we're having a great time doing this, and we will see you next week after we beat the Ravens. Thanks for listening. Let's go Brownies. Go Brownies.
1: Stay safe, Florida.